You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. My name is J.J. Leahy, and I'm joined today by my friend Gil Martin. Gil's writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, we've got you covered. Do you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show? Hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gilpackers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, I have to tell you, this past week was the closest Twitter poll we have ever run on our debates. Did you care to guess which of us won? Well, when we spoke a couple of days ago, you said you were ahead by a couple of votes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna estimate that you hung on. I hung on by a single vote. <laughs> well, it's never going to get closer than that unless we tie. So, yeah. All right. So, listen, I, I keep my winning streak alive, which means later in this episode when we debate a wide receiver issue, uh, you're going to get to pick first uh, right. which, which side you want to defend. And you and I have already talked previously, so I already know that we disagree, which is awesome. That's what <laughs> we're always looking for in these debates. All right, but today we're going to be talking about the rest of the NFC North. We're going to talk about the Bears and the Vikings and what's left of the Lions, and we're going to try and analyze where they stand in re- uh, relation to the Packers and uh, where they stood last year. So we're going to start in with the Packers' oldest rival, the Chicago Bears. We're going to go through position by position with the groups that have uh, changed and just kind of answer the question, you know, did they get better? Did they get worse? Did they stay the same? And uh, try and try and make a sort of a guess at how their season is going to go. And obviously, when we're talking about the Bears this year, we have to start with the the position that's seen the most amount of change, and that's quarterback. Yeah. So last year, uh, there was a rotating quarterback room of Nick Foles and uh, Mitch Trubisky. Nick Foles is still there, and uh, he didn't do great last year. Uh, he, his fundamentals are sound, but you know his upside just really wasn't there the way that uh, you know Trubisky's was. And listen, they brought in Andy Dalton, who really is supposed to be an upgrade. And I think prior to last season, I think we all would have agreed, yeah, Andy Dalton's a, a big upgrade. Uh, however, he really did not play very well in Dallas. Actually, if you look at their stats and their grades over on PFF, remarkably similar. Uh, same, overall, same basically, yeah. Yeah, the, the biggest difference between the two guys is that Andy Dalton had – uh, about 300 more passing yards in 20 more passing attempts. He also had four more touchdowns, but they tied in interceptions. Uh, and worth noting that both of those guys were not starters all year long. So uh, we didn't get a full season's worth of stats. Um, and then uh, when it comes to their overall and passing and rushing grades, nearly identical across the board, Andy Dalton being a slight upgrade so uh justin fields obviously is the wild card here 
Uh, the Bears have said, or uh, Matt Nagy has said that uh, Fields will not be starting week one. Do we think that Fields is going to take over at some point this season? I do. I, I'm just not feeling Andy Dalton as the long-term answer. The Bears still have a solid defense. Uh, it's getting older, and it's not what it was two or three years ago, but it's still a very good defense. And I think that, you know, they'll be somewhere in the playoff race, and they're going to want to get a little spark going that Andy Dalton probably won't be able to give them. And I would say sometime in November, they're going to make the switch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see at what point in the year they do make that switch. You would think it's probably going to be a home game. Um, and looking at their schedule, week two actually makes a lot of sense. So you got week one is in L.A. They're going to be facing off against um, Matt Stafford and the Rams. Week two, though, is the Bengals at Soldier Field. Now, after that game, you got the Browns in, in Cleveland. You also have, in week four, the Lions at Soldier Field. And I think if it was a team that was not in the NFC North, they would probably view the Lions as a great opportunity to go ahead and start a, a rookie quarterback. However, the Lions play the Bears pretty tough. However, you know, when we get to the Lions preview, I think we'll both agree that they are a worse looking roster than they have been uh, in recent years. So to me, week two kind of makes the most sense. After that, probably week four makes a lot of sense. I think it was in week three last year. I know it was against the Falcons that Trubisky got benched for uh, Nick Foles. So uh, we, we've seen that Matt Nagy has the patience to stick with a plan for two and a half weeks. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? It, it, it seems like they really did promise that starting job to Andy Dalton for week one, uh, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But week two sure makes a lot of sense on a few different levels. It really depends on how quickly Justin Fields gets, you know, a feel for the NFL, a feel for the playbook. Uh, gains the confidence of his teammates. I, I think it'll be more mid-season. I, I could see the Bears around week eight or nine or ten, you know, being four and four and saying, hey, we need a spark. Where Our defense is good enough to go to the playoffs, but our offense is struggling, and they make the switch at a home game sometime in late October to, you know, before Thanksgiving, somewhere in that range. Yeah, the tough thing is that they really don't have – an easy spot to do so. So starting in week six, they play the Packers and that's at home in, in Chicago. Then you got the Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Steelers and the, and the Steelers are another road game. And then week 10 is their bye. after that, they come back to another home game against the Ravens. And then it's not until week 12, they have another, you know, kind of easy game here against the lions this time at Detroit. That Ravens game might be the spot after the bye. Give them a little extra time to prepare. It's a non-conference game. It's at home. That might be the ideal spot. Again, there's so many variables. I mean, Andy Dalton could get hurt in preseason week one and all bets are off. But, uh, you know, it, it, to me, that that Ravens game looks like a logical place to make the switch. So looking at uh, running back, the Bears maybe get a little bit better this year because uh, David Montgomery is no slouch. He's a very good running back. And especially we saw 
once uh, what's his name, Bill Lazor took over with the play calling last year, and they started running at her center a lot more. You saw David Montgomery really get unlocked, but Tariq Cohen is coming back, and he's a formidable backup, I think. Um, and then uh, Damian Williams, Super Bowl or should have been a Super Bowl MVP, was certainly robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's also going to be there. And then they have a rookie in Khalil Herbert. I think overall the running back room got a lot better. So it's a question of whether the bears are going to have somebody calling plays who knows how to use those running backs. That, uh, makes the big difference. Always does. The talent level is there. I always like Tariq Cohen. Uh, you know, not that he's going to be the workhorse, but he's a great receiver. And we have seen him give the Packers headaches at times coming out of the backfield. The wide receiver room, I think, is not even worth talking about. They brought in Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. Do you think either of those guys are worth discussing? Not at length, no. I mean, it's it's not a great group. Let's put it that way. At the defensive line, uh, they brought... Uh, oh, We're what's not that? talking about Jimmy Graham and the tight ends? You know what? I just had kind of written this uh, out of order. I didn't have the tight ends next. I should have. Uh, You're right. Okay, okay. I think Cole Komet might be the guy to keep an eye on this year with the uh, tight end group. I agree. I, I agree. If anyone's going to emerge from this very crowded group, he would be the guy. Look, Jimmy Graham was not terrible last year, but he's yet another year older, and uh, age has not been kind to Jimmy. I, I, I would think overall this tight end group is a slight decline from last year, probably not any any improvement. I think at best you're hoping that it stays about the same. With uh, Graham declining a little bit and Cole Komet getting a little bit more experience. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Uh, let's see here. You know, I, I had defensive line next. That just makes no sense. Let's hop over to offensive line. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So they got James Daniels back from injury. Uh, that gives him a little bit more depth. This is a contract year for him. So you'd expect him to probably play a little bit harder. But maintaining his health is going to be a... Uh, a big deal. Then you got uh, Jermaine Ifedi. I'm not sure. You know, he was supposed to be a right guard, but I think he really is going to be the tackle this year. Really looks like they got just a, a lot of inexperienced players along that offense offensive line. I think uh, you and I are not super concerned about the inexperienced offensive lineman for the Packers. So we probably should extend roughly the same amount of credit to the inexperienced players that the Bears have on the O-line. But, you know, there are questions here. I think when you look at where the offensive line was last year for the Bears, it can only go up. Right. There is definitely room for improvement. And if you just, yeah, it should be better. It can't get too much worse. Don't forget, uh, we got Tevin Jenkins coming in. I think he's supposed to be uh, an upgrade. You also got Larry. I don't know how you say his last name. Borum, Larry Borum. Yeah, I don't. I don't know much about him. Do you know anything about him? Not a lot. No. Well, Ryan Pace at least thinks that these guys are going to be an upgrade. Um, there's definitely not a lot of experience there <laughs> with these two guys. And that is the, that is the theme across the entire O-line for the Bears. I, th- I think really this is a group of guys that could develop even by the end of this year into a really formidable line. But I would expect them to have maybe a rough start, which is why it's probably a good thing that they're not going to be starting off throwing fields behind uh, that O-line at least week one. Yeah, I mean... 
maybe it's an advantage though, because if Fields is a much more mobile quarterback than Dalton, he may need those, you know, escapability skills to to keep going. I mean, Borum, he's a fifth round pick out of Missouri, pretty big guy, 6'5, 322. Uh Better run blocker than pass blocker, according to, you know, what I've read about him. But, uh, you know, that the the inexperience and the lack of cohesiveness along that offensive line may make them think about field sooner rather than later, because he does have that ability to scramble away from pressure. Could very well be. Again, it's it's really going to be a big question. Um, who is handling handling the play calling? I think if you continue to let Bill Lazor do so, you know maybe that's that's going to be a formidable offense, uh, which is good because I expect the defense to probably take a big step back this year. Um, but uh, I, I I keep hearing that uh, Ryan Pace might be calling the plays again this year, and that's not the direction you want to see. No, definitely not. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> Depends. Ooh, you're at. It depends on what team you're rooting exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> well, sticking with the coaching, uh, I, one of the big reasons that I am really down on the defense this year for the Bears, they have a new defensive coordinator, and Chuck Pagano was not the bee's knees. Uh, he was definitely trending downwards, but he had a lot of experience. Sean Desai has no coordinator experience. He doesn't even have much NFL experience as a position coach. He's largely just been a quality control coach. They also uh, lost their defensive line coach. Um, and, uh, you know, just looking across the, the whole list of coaches that they have on that defensive line or defensive side of the ball, man, this defense has just been falling apart since Vic Fangio left. And I, I don't see anybody really stepping up to, uh, you know, fill that role. And I, I'm sure Desai, or Sean Desai is a bright young guy but he has next to no experience and the, the defensive roster just steadily gets worse and worse each year. Well, it gets older and older. I mean, there is still talent on this defense. I mean, you, you know, the names Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks. These are guys, Desmond Trufant. These are guys we know they have done it, but they're also, you know, getting up there in years and the coordinator, as you mentioned, not there anymore. So I, I just don't anticipate. And they're not going to be a bad defense, but they are no longer an elite defense. And I think, you know, out of 32 teams, maybe we're talking them somewhere between ninth and 12th in the league. Feels a little bit high to me, but then, you know, the the Bears and good defenses are typically a thing that happens each year. Uh, there are a couple guys who had bad years last year who really could take a step forward, and that would be a big thing. And we'll start with uh, Khalil Mack. He wasn't bad, but he had shoulder issues last year. He's had a whole offseason to get healthy. I think that could be a guy who is able to play at a higher level than he did last year because he's feeling better. Uh, Danny Trevathan had a pretty poor start last year. I think that he is a pretty strong bounce-back candidate. You also got Robert Quinn, really was not very good last year at outside linebacker. I think everybody is expecting to see a little bit more of a bounce-back to who he's typically been in the past rather than what he was last year, which was, you know, nothing to write home about. Yeah, and the Bears need these guys to bounce back. Look, those linebackers really are the heart and soul of this defense. If the linebackers are doing their thing, they have a chance. But, you know, 
Khalil Mack is 30. Uh, Danny Trevathan is 31. You know, these guys are no longer young, hungry players. They're getting up there in years. Injuries are more likely the older they get. And yeah, I, I think if they're healthy, they will bounce back. But they're not going to be where they were in their prime two, three years ago. Well, the uh, the spot where they took the biggest step back has got to be cornerback. Yes. They lost Kyle Fuller. That's devastating. So what you have are Buster Screen and Jalen Johnson. That's about it at cornerback. And look, they're quality starting NFL cornerbacks. But when you look at how formidable that cornerback room has historically been, this is pretty terrible in, in comparison. This is this is uh, no longer a position of strength. It's a position of eh, average, I would say, for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, you got to add Desmond Trufant into that mix also. But yeah, no, this is no longer a strength. And Fuller's loss is a big one. They they still have, you know, a great safety in Eddie Jackson. I think he's still solid and, and, a, and a very good player. But this secondary isn't what it used to be. And if the pass rush doesn't get there, they're going to be in trouble. So what are we thinking as far as the Bears record this year? Do you think they're going to overall be a better or worse team? I have my answer, but I want to hear yours. Uh, I see them somewhere between seven and nine wins. I think they're going to be fighting for that, like right about where they were last year, fighting for that seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. Now, last year, the Bears started off just horrific. Well, actually, that's that's only sort of true. They won like f- their first uh, five or six games of the year and then had a horrific stretch in the middle. And then at, toward the end of the year, their defense had really fallen off, but the offense really ascended and let them win a lot of games. They were scoring kind of an absurd number of points for the Bears. I really wouldn't be surprised to see sort of the end of last year kind of be the theme of this year. A lackluster defense and a you know uncharacteristically decent offense for the Bears really would make a lot of sense when you look at where they've gotten stronger where they've gotten weaker across the roster Uh, when you look at uh, they have coaching stability on the offensive side of the ball they do have plenty of veteran experience in Andy Dalton and then they have the high ceiling if unproven talent of Justin Fields that could take them to another level I really could see this being a year where Bizarrely, the Bears offense kind of is the theme of the season. Wow. When was the last time you were able to say that? Possibly not in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the Bears can probably win 10 games this year, um, but but that all, I think, hinges on the play calling, um, on how good the quarterback is. Uh, position is is locked up. I think that the floor for the Bears this year is really low because I just do not respect that defense. But the ceiling I think is pretty high. And if the you know it, in years past the benchmark was that the offense needed to score like 15 points and that would be enough to win the game. And the offense usually couldn't do that. So I think if you see a little bit more of a regression to the mean on offense and defense, and that would be a good thing for the offense. Well, I could see them possibly getting as high as yeah 9 10 11 wins um as kind of their um you know leaving leaving lady luck out of the equation because that always plays a big 
a big role in and health and you right. know when when your opponents get hot and all that. I think ten wins sounds about right to me for the Bears. And uh, depending on which way uh, their their luck swings, could add or or subtract three wins from that. I think. Yeah, I mean, you're a little bit higher than me. I'm thinking nine and eight, eight and nine, something in that range for the Bears. And a lot of it will depend on the quarterback play. Ready to look at uh, the Vikings? Sure, sure. So the one of the biggest things that I think we need to make sure we address with the Vikings is their special teams because uh, their special teams was horrific last year. Um, one of the worst units in the league. And yeah, as a Packer fan, I'm not really one to talk, but we're talking about the Vikings right now. And uh, <laughs> we can't relate th- at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Vikings are expecting their special teams to um, to get a lot better um, only because the floor was so low last year. So, you know, the only direction you can go is up. However, in order for that to have happened, you'd really need to see uh, some stability at kicker, at punter. I don't know that you're really seeing that. They got a new special teams coordinator, Ryan Ficken. They got a new kicker, Greg Joseph. Uh, It's kind of a a situation, I think, where you look at uh, Sean Menenga from last year. And we would say, yes, just give us anybody instead of him. Give us anybody would be an improvement. Right. And I think that you're just hoping that, uh, Ryan Ficken is going to be that improvement. Um, as far as kickers go, uh, I don't know a ton about Greg Joseph. I think he's a, he's, he's not a rookie. Is he, uh, checking right now. Uh, He's 26 years old. He can't be a rookie. He has he, four four years of experience, native of Johannesburg, South Africa. Which teams has he played for? He has played for Cleveland and Tennessee. He looks like he t- he is 9-4-9 on extra points for the Titans. 25 of 29 extra points for Cleveland. As for field goals, looks like he was 4 of 7. Uh, honestly, that's about kind of on par with uh, what they were getting out of um, uh, uh, what's his name Bailey Dan Bailey. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the field goals, I think the field goals are are a big issue, and he has not. So in, in the last two years, he's attempted seven field goals, made four of them. Extra points, he seems you know uh, pretty close to automatic, not world beater, but pretty automatic. They're they're going to need a lot of help. Um, in the in the return game, there those the blockers and gunners are going to have to be a lot better this year than they were last year. I think special teams is kind of one of those unsung groups that could make or break the season for the Vikings. Always important. Uh, Packer fans know this only too well, and obviously Minnesota has to make sure that they're better because it, look, this division, especially if Aaron Rodgers does not come back to the Packers, it's going to be wide open. And, you know, special teams could make the difference in, let's say, three games over the course of the season could make the difference between, let's say, first place and third place. Well, along the offensive line, because this is the next really important position you got to look at. um, Early on in the offseason, the Vikings didn't do a ton. They uh, brought back Rashad Hill and Dakota Dozier. They traded for Mason Cole. But then I think they kind of knocked out of the park with landing Christian Darasaw at... uh, what was it? Number 23. 
Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic prospect. We'll have to see if he can put it together. That was a guy that I was excited about in the draft and was kind of hoping would make it to the Packers. They also brought in Wyatt Davis. He was their third round pick. Um, I, I think that uh, similar to how the Packers are going to be leading on a lot of rookies and the Bears are going to be leading along on a lot of rookies. This is kind of the theme of the NFC North. Uh, you're probably setting low expectations and hoping that that these young guys are going to come out of the gate uh, white hot. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say that's accurate. But I think the advantage that some of these linemen will have in Minnesota, the younger ones, their running game is so strong. Usually coming out of college, offensive linemen tend to be better run blockers than pass blockers. Not all of them, but that's the majority just because of the way offenses work in college. And, you know, the fact that you've got Alexander Madison backing up Dalvin Cook, a very good one-two running punch, you know, if they can run the ball consistently and run block well, that keeps Kirk Cousins out of third and long, makes things a little easier for the offensive line and for the offense in general. So I, I think that strength at running back gives them an advantage as far as their offensive line, the younger guys are concerned. I've seen some people... Uh, online stressing about the wide receiver three position for the Vikings. And that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. They had two top 10 wide receivers last year and the Vikings hardly ever run 11 personnel. Um, it's just not something you really need to worry about. I think that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are going to get the job done. No problem. Uh, to me, their offense continues to stay strong. I think I don't I don't really see them taking a step back on offense. Dalvin Cook is still playing extremely well. Um, the tight end group, I think, is still not that great. It hasn't been great for a while, and I think it got a little bit worse this year. I know they don't have Kyle Rudolph anymore. Um, so that is something to be kind of con- concerned about. And they lost a ton of depth in their running back room, but they do still have Dalvin Cook there. I think they can make do with uh, their their backup running backs if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, and that has been a big if over recent years. The years where he can stay healthy all year, uh, he's fantastic for them, and he's also missed a lot of time. I know in fantasy football, I don't touch Dalvin anymore because he's just totally unreliable in terms of his health. You've been burned too many times. Way too many times. <laughs> so the defense is going to be the big question. And looking at last year, uh, I mean, after that uh, Saints game that they just got humiliated in, uh, which I think was the last game of the year for the Vikings, but I could be mistaken about that. Um, Mike Zimmer actually came out and trashed his own defense and was saying, I think this is the worst defense I've ever, the worst rush I've ever had to work with defensively. Um the the only direction they can go is up, and I think you look at how many rookies they had on defense last year, you would have to expect them to take a big jump this year. And look, they also got Daniil Hunter back. That's going to be a huge thing. Yeah, having Daniil Hunter back healthy is big. He's their best pass rusher. He's an elite pass rusher, and that definitely helps. And, you know, the other thing is they they worked on revamping their secondary, which was a big question mark last year. And, uh, you know, that's what's got to improve the linebackers. They've got two solid linebackers in Kendricks and Anthony Barr. uh, Ooh, I disagree with you about Barr. I I think Barr is really not good. Well, Kendricks is Kendricks is elite. I think I think Barr is is outstanding. Barr was better two or three years ago than he is now. 
But the, the last two years, Barr graded via PFF as one of the worst linebackers in football. Wow. Uh, you know, I mean, he he is. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying he's elite, but I, I, I do view him as a, a quality starter, not an outstanding starter, but a quality starter. But that may be more reputation than than recent play. I think one good thing that you can say about him is he does have veteran experience and probably probably is going to be more likely to make the correct read more often than not just because of that experience. Yeah, no, no question about that. And then you still have Harrison Smith at safety uh, and that's a plus. But, you know, the what does Patrick Peterson have left at this point at corner and, and, and will the cornerbacks be better? Because last year, the secondary really hurt this team. Yeah, we can't forget Xavier Woods. I think that overall their secondary is still going to be a big point of weakness, um, but a, a position that maybe concerns me a little bit more than their secondary is the other defensive end spot opposite Daniil Hunter. Your options are Stephen Weatherly or Stephen Weatherly, or, uh, I mean, you got a, a group of young guys. Patrick Jones II was a guy in the draft that I really liked, and they picked him up. Um, they got DJ uh, Wonum or Wanum and Janarius Robinson. These are all guys with, like, no experience at all. So um, are they going to be good? Uh, remains to be seen. We know who won't be good, and that's Jalen Holmes, Hercules Mataafa, or Jordan Brailford. They're, they're not good defensive linemen. I think you're leaning on Stephen Weatherly to man that opposite uh, DN spot, and that could be an issue if opposing offenses know that all you got to do is avoid Daniil and you're good. And, and that's, you know, obviously a key uh, as far as their defense goes. You, you're great to get Daniil Hunter back, but he can't be the only guy you've got who's getting the job done. And, you know, uh, that 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 line is a question mark, and they they did a lot of revamping of this defense, uh, and and it may take a little time. Early in the season, they may struggle a lot more than they will late. Look, are the Vikings a Super Bowl contender? Uh, yeah, they could be if their defense gets back on track to where they should be. I think absolutely that is within reach for them to be that good. Uh, the offense, I think, sh- certainly should still be, you know, within within reach of being that good. No question about it. As long as Aaron Rodgers is out of the NFC North, uh, if, if he continues his holdout and does not play for the Packers this year, the Vikings are the team to beat. Well, we didn't save a lot of time for the Lions, and that's okay because there's not a lot that needs to be said in the Lions. They're not a great roster. Um, they they have some talented players. I don't expect them to go 0-17. No. I think uh, probably five wins is pretty close to their ceiling. Maybe the stars align and they pull out seven with a, you know, a win over the Packers uh, would not be unheard of. Um, they just seem to have our number, and that could really help their overall score at the end of the year. But looking at this roster, it, it got pretty gutted. Uh, their, their cornerback room is pretty much uh, completely just relying on Jeff Okuda and uh, Quentin Dunbar, I guess. I mean, you got Corn Elder in there, uh, Amani Arawarie, but uh, I guess they do have Fedu Milanwu, but come on, this is a, a pretty terrible... No, he's not... He's a, He plays safety for him now. Uh, or he's, he's a rookie, but I think he's supposed to play safety. Right. Either way, 
that that defensive backs room looks pretty bad as far as uh, safeties go. They don't have a lot going for them over there. Across the whole defense, it's just pretty bleak. Uh, their their linebackers are okay, and that's that's pretty close to about it. I do like some of what they have going on offense, and I think this could be an opportunity for guys who are typically buried on the depth chart on other teams to, you know, have a moment to shine similar to um, what was the name of that wide receiver that we had that went over to the Eagles last year. We, we cut him in, in um, Fulham in the preseason. Yeah. Fulgham, Travis Fulgham. He never would have been anything in green Bay because he never would have had the opportunity, but he went to Philadelphia where there were no wide receivers and he was phenomenal. I could easily see that being the case here. And another comparison I'll make would be the Dolphins. Back in 2019, everybody thought they were going to go 0-16. They were horrific. And then they ended up winning something like five games by the end of the year because they shipped off all the uh, big personalities, all of the uh, guys who create drama. And all you had left were just, you know, guys who still belonged on NFL rosters who really wanted jobs and they put their heads down and worked hard. I could see that happening in Detroit this year, especially if uh, the players really buy into what Dan Campbell is selling. Well, that's going to be the key. Uh, and, and look, there is some young talent on this team. And we we didn't talk about Jeff Okuda, who I, I, I think is going to develop into a, a very good cornerback. But yeah. to me, the, the, the big issue is this. I think Jared Goff, while he's younger than Matthew Stafford, is a step down. From that oh, big Stafford. step down. And, and you know, to me, that's going to cost them a couple of games right there. You know, you say five wins is their ceiling. I might, or, or, I, I'm expecting them to go around five and 12. That, that, that's about where I would see them. Oh, five and 12 sounds so weird. I'm used to five and 11. I know. Well, you know what? In five years, we'll all say, wait, they used to play 16 games. What was that? You know? In five years, they're probably going to add an 18th game. Probably. Probably. <laughs> We're probably going to have to wait until the next CBA, which is a decade from now, for them to add another game. But uh, I, I do think game number 18 is coming eventually. I I agree. I, look, that was always the plan. And I think just a little uh, resistance from the Players Association made them take this in-between step of going to 17. Special teams, I think. Um, I'm not 100% sure what the um mindset was in get ready getting rid of their special teams coordinator last year Braden Coombs uh, I know that there was a fake punt that he did not have authorization to run and he went ahead and, and called it anyways and I believe it failed and that was what cost him the job you know but Dan Campbell wasn't in there yet this was a a, a different head coach this is the interim head coach filling in for um uh, Matt Patricia at that point in time and, uh, you know, looking, looking at the, um, uh, the production that he got out of their special teams unit, look, Braden Coombs was a guy I really wanted for the Packers to hire and the lions got him instead. He ran a, one of the best special teams units in the league last year, a little bit surprising, even with that, uh, that issue with that fake punt that they went ahead and fired him. I think that he was going to keep doing special things for the, the Lions special teams there. That was a move I didn't really see coming. No, I didn't necessarily see it coming either, but it happened. They're here. And uh, it's one of many problems that this roster has to deal with. Yeah, this roster is definitely not good. 
they did they did make some additions this offseason that I think will really help. Uh, one of the biggest things being the wide receiver room. So to start off the um, offseason, you had Geronimo Allison was basically the, the best and only wide receiver they really had. They have since brought in Tyrell Williams. They drafted Amon Ross St. Brown. And uh, I, I think they signed Brashad Perriman this offseason. I don't I think that. Uh, yeah, he wasn't there last year. He was with the Jets last year, wasn't he? he yeah, yeah. So they signed him. I think he'll he'll do quite well. Uh, they also have Quintez Cephas and, and Geronimo Allison is coming back. You look at, you know, in L.A., Jared Goff was a barely competent quarterback there, and he was throwing to Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, not to mention some great tight ends. And he had Sean McVay call in place for him. You know, he has not been a good quarterback since Matt LaFleur was his quarterback coach. Uh, I'm definitely concerned that he's just going to hit rock bottom in Detroit. I, I don't see anybody among the coaching staff there that I think you know, really is going to be the key to unlocking his potential again. And he's going to be throwing to the likes of well, Geronimo Allison yeah, um, and a bunch of rookies. So this offense might be one of the worst in the league. I don't expect them to be the worst team in the league overall. I think there's at least three other teams who are going to be picking ahead of them in the draft, um, not the least of which would probably be the Houston Texans. <laughs> but <laughs> but the Lions, I think, are not going to be good. And that having been said, I'm still not going to overlook them when it's time for the Packers to play them because they always play the Packers tough. Even without Matthew Stafford, uh, I, I remember the second game would have been um, – Week 17 in 2019, Matthew Stafford was not there. This was at Ford Field, and David Blau came in and just kicked the pants off the uh, Packers' defense on a day when the Packers' offense really was not playing very well either, and we almost lost that game. Almost, but, hey, look, the the Packers found a way uh, to beat the Lions. Look, 2019, they beat them twice without even leading except at the final buzzer in both games. That's true. you know, uh, overall, yeah, the Lions tend to play the Packers tough, but the Packers usually find a way to end up with the W. All right, let's talk about Packers wide receivers because we have largely the same uh, roster for uh, a lot of positions, but wide receiver, we're getting two additions this year. That's going to be Devin Funchess and Amari Rogers. And the question is, who do you think is going to play better for the Packers this year? Who's going to be the bigger impact on defense? Uh, between these two newcomers to the Packers wide receiver room. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, wow. Uh, you know what? As the year goes on, I think Rodgers will get a bigger and bigger role. But for the season as a whole, I think Funches will have a bigger uh, impact. Really? I'm, I'm curious to hear why you think that. I, I think early on he will get more opportunities. And I, I have a hunch that there will be some injuries at the wide receiver position and that Funches will end up being one of the top three as a result of that. I certainly could see Funches, you know, having found himself a good long-term home here in Green Bay. Um, uh, You know, he's a very young guy still. I think he's going to be a a pretty good contributor for us, probably be the player that Geronimo was supposed to be. Right. However, when I look at all the other things that Amari Rodgers can do, they're already uh, have, have made it clear just in in uh, minicamp that he's going to be the new Tyler Irvin. He's going to be the new jet sweep guy. 
He is a pretty good route runner. And we even saw in minicamp some pretty impressive catches that he was making, you know, in the end zone. Uh, I think this is just a guy that uh, he's never going to be right exactly where defense is expecting him to be. And that's not even counting because we're just talking about offense here. But I, I, I still have to mention what a, a big deal I think he's going to be on special teams returning and, and all that for us. But I think Amari Rodgers just has a ceiling that uh, that Funchess doesn't have. And even though that wide receiver room is is pretty stacked, I think you look at the, the possibility of um, – Jordan Love being under center instead of Aaron Rodgers. I think Amari is a guy that he already has a bit of chemistry with from from minicamp and could be seeking out uh, on on third down um, and 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 even uh, as the uh, options you know as his various reads break down, Amari is going to be running some different types of routes. He might really get open, at, at, you know, and and kind of be more of a dump off guy for Love. And then one other thing that you just can't underestimate, and this doesn't have so much to do with his own production, but uh, LaFleur has already talked about how Amari is going to be a big part of digging out other DBs to free up guys like Devante and take some pressure off of them. If Amari can continue to develop his route tree, I think he could be a quite lethal weapon for the Packers and uh, probably our our long-term Randall Cobb replacement. I agree with the fact that long term he is going to be the next, you know, Randall Cobb. But when you start breaking down what we're going to see in 2021, you, you you said he's going to take on the Tyler Irvin role. Even if you combine Tyler Irvin and and uh, Tavon Austin and all the people who tried to play that role last year, and you give Amari Rogers all of their stats combined, it's still not a lot. Of contributions. I think he'll contribute on special teams. I think he will carve out a role as a rookie. But just looking at 2021, which is what we're debating here, I think that Devin Funches has more experience. He's going to be uh, fresh because he hasn't taken a lot of physical pounding over the last two years. The coaching staff was impressed with him during OTAs. Uh, definitely, you know, Matt LaFleur said he looked the part especially early in the season, I think we'll see more from Funches than Rodgers. Over the long term, I agree with you. Rodgers is going to have a bigger role, but not necessarily in 2021. All right, you make a persuasive argument, but now it's up to the listeners to decide once and for all. So we're going to post a poll on Twitter like we do every week at the top of our profiles. That's at JJ Leahy and at Gil Packers. That's over on Twitter. I want you to weigh in and uh, help us figure out who won the debate. That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Again, that is at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not